The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. Episode 104. It's the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, also in five points there in the uh, well five points area and we got a lot to cover today we'll recap george's uh, terrific win over notre dame see if we can't uh, pick out some decent games to watch during the uh, the bye week for georgia which is coming at a nice time so that everyone can just enjoy the uh the big victory over the irish and maybe we'll get into to a little bit of the uh, braves as they are a week away from starting postseason play and have a few guys dinged up and are made a change in their pitching rotation moving Soroka's start back so we'll touch on that a little bit as uh, well today do you want to ignore the Falcons or <laughs> I just I feel horrible for Keanu Neal yeah for sure and they look like a sinking ship anyway I'm not saying that they are because they actually came back and made that a ball game on Sunday just these first halves on the road are just killing them what was it it was 20 to three on Sunday and then what was the first half against the Vikings I mean that I, one was brutal I mean too. they were down 28 nothing yeah, I don't yeah. know remember what the halftime but score both was of the, the first halves on these road games were terrible and this this game against the Titans the Falcons are actually a four-point favorite yeah so they lost nine of ten to the AFC yeah but it's these it's like the first halves of these games would just suggest I mean a team that's not getting prepared during the week exactly that's what they look like yeah and then really I mean to me like Matt Ryan has kind of turned in to a more uh, level-headed Jeff George. Yeah. And Ryan's not, you know, mentally he's a lot stronger than Jeff George was, but it's like, oh, look, Ryan threw for 300 yards and two or three more touchdowns. Like, yeah, they were down 20-3, to three, and then he, he racked up a bunch of yards racked and touchdowns. Racked up a bunch of yards, and he threw a bad pick on which he's doing every game. possession, I guess. Yeah. And he's, what, thrown six picks now? Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem – and yeah. I know his offensive line is terrible, but yeah. he doesn't seem very good right now either, which no, is doesn't. a big problem. So there, there's our Falcons yeah, There you talk. go. The Falcons are go. trying to, to snap up. They've, like I said, they've lost 9 of 10 to AFC teams, and they've got another AFC team this weekend. Maybe we'll devote a little more time to them next week. Yeah. Uh, although t- we just gave them a good 60 seconds. If they win, we'll try and come <laughs> up with something good to say. But yeah. uh, Georgia rolling right along and a huge victory for the Dogs against uh, against Notre Dame. It ended up being tougher than I thought it would be. But uh, to me, in my mind, I come out of that game more upgrading Notre Dame than really having any doubts about, uh, about Georgia. I think Georgia is still in, on track to – to be as uh, as good a contender as anyone to to play for it all at least make the playoff this year and certainly win the SEC East. I mean, there's nothing that's changed about that. Uh, there's Georgia, and then there's I, I I would say Florida's on this next shelf by themselves, and then everyone else in the SEC East. I just look at them, and it's not a, a question for me of of if Georgia's going to beat them. It's by but how bad they're going to beat them. Is Notre Dame better than we thought they were? I think they are. Yeah. I, in my mind, they've Did been we upgraded. not give them enough credit. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I Maybe. guess as it turned out, I mean, really the the stunning part was as bad as their run defense had been coming in, they did a, a decent job uh, for the most of the night against uh, against us on that front. I, you know, Swift started to, to open it up there in the fourth quarter. I think slowly we had grinded them down in those three and outs they had in the third quarter. You could definitely sense that Georgia was starting to get control of the game. 
Do you think the two big questions that came out of this game were, one, was Notre Dame faking injuries, and two, should Georgia have gone for it on that fourth down? Those are the two big topics that seem to be hanging around here since Saturday. The second question is, yes, Georgia should have gone for it on fourth and one. The first one is the the one where Fromm was at the line, like, barking out a play. Yeah. And he stuck his arm out, hit the guy, and the guy – they, that was a fake. I don't think no, that f- was a mighty karate. Yeah, lash. it was a huge karate yeah. shot. By he should have been flagged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct. The first one, I I don't think they were faking that. I think that kid, he had tackled Harry in a few plays earlier. I think he was wobbly. They recognized it. That was their best defensive player, number six. I think if you're going to fake an injury with a player, you're not going to send your take your best defensive player off the field. Yeah. I don't think they were faking that first time. Yeah, and the thing is, I heard Jeff say this too, and I was thinking the same thing, that it it's hard to boo someone. I mean, me personally, if you really don't know if they're hurt, I mean, that can sort of come back to bite you there a little bit. And when the one guy got hit, you know, we talk about the, the one with Fromm. I mean, I didn't see that. I mean, I saw him down on the ground, but didn't see what happened. So at the time, you're not really sure. I will admit it did look a little fishy, but – you know, if if that's what Notre Dame was resorting to, then well, it didn't work, and I'm glad as a Georgia fan, it did it did work out for for the dogs. You know, with uh, the fourth down, we're talking with Coach Donnan about this, and it's kind of funny. Offensive minded coaches see all the the reasons plays can work, and defensive minded coaches might have a little bit more tendency to see why place uh, place may not work. And then you throw in the fact that you've got the best kicker in the country and it probably weighs on you there a little bit more to use him. Now, the one thing is, I, I mean, I would have been fine if George had gone for it, but I do see the the strategery of the situation because it did make Notre Dame have to play for two touchdowns instead of a touchdown and a field goal. And if it had only been a 10-point game cut into a three-point game, then that end of that, that game on Saturday is completely – different they're trying to get in field goal position instead of having to heave one up like they did well and that's like when when teams sometimes will kick to go up six yeah like what where, where that is like yes then they need a touchdown to beat you but where I think sometimes they you run into no problem is well now they're also going to get an extra down and they're going to be trying to score a touchdown instead yeah. of at just some point they would settle for the field goal right and you would at least be tied instead of potentially just straight up losing the game yeah and Notre Dame had that fourth down where they, they did yeah I mean maybe we're only up a field goal and they attempt a field goal and tie it but I'm just of the I think you got to You've got the ball with one yard. You've got to try and, and go and, and win the game, not put yourself in the best position to avoid being tied at some point uh, you know, down the road. And I just – like coming out of those two games against Alabama, the, the, the two losses to Alabama, there's been so much – a lot of criticism about the team was like Georgia had those leads and wasn't aggressive enough, wasn't aggressive enough. And here Georgia was again with a lead and wasn't aggressive again. This yeah. time it worked out and they won the game, right. but it's just another situation where they're not really going for the jugular. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I if Georgia had gone for it there, I would have been fine with that too. I get the, the feeling. You know, Georgia beat Florida a few years ago. Uh, Aaron Murray hit, what, two or three fourth downs? Two fourth downs for touchdowns because they didn't trust the kicker. And it's almost like now it's gotten the other way, where maybe you have too much trust in the kicker with uh, with Hot Rod. He was terrific on Saturday. I mean, he was just as 
responsible for that victory as anybody else. The special teams, on the other hand, had some issues, but he certainly wasn't part of it. So, I mean, I see both sides of that. I'd rather have the luxury of having a great kicker and me too and, and doing things that maybe can be questioned as opposed to the opposite where hey we went forward and got it because we didn't have any choice we didn't have a, a kicker that could go out there and get it maybe Bama does that on purpose Saban does that on purpose he never has a good kicker so he doesn't get those kind of dilemmas yeah he just has to go for <laughs> exactly. it like in fact I don't know if you to, to change the subject they were fourth and five Saturday up uh, 42 to 7 on Southern Miss and two a passed. Yeah. <laughs> and then they ended up punching in a touchdown for yeah. a, a late backdoor cover. But yeah, they're saving on fourth and five. They were like on the 38. So, I mean, really, it's like, you know, punt or something. Yeah. yeah. But I guess Saban, I guess Saban wanted the cover. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I'm 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 sort of a, a go forward guy. You need one yard, and I know Notre Dame had stuffed two runs earlier in that sequence. The the two runs before Fromm scrambled, right? But I, I say, well, a make them try, make them do it a third time against our offensive line in our ground game. Also, b there's no rule that says when you need a yard on fourth down, you have to run. You have to you run know? it. Passing yeah. is option. And I, my preference is I don't seem th- think teams quarterbacks sneak enough in those spots. Right. I mean, that's right. almost like an unstoppable play and here's another thing too if you don't get it on fourth down it doesn't automatically mean the other team scores going the other direction right and you know when in the end was the 20 yard line yeah so in the end georgia kicked off and yes they had a 13 point lead instead of a 10 point lead but notre dame then had the ball basically exactly where they were going to get it if georgia had been stuffed there here's what i i do i i like that's come out of this though is that even after Tuesday's practice, Kirby was still being asked about it. And I appreciate that he hasn't been rigid over it. Mm-hmm. He's actually like talked a lot about it. He's acknowledged that the other way might have been the better way. But at that moment, here's what I saw. Here's what I thought. Yeah. And this is the decision I made. But, I mean, at least he's not like, you know, Pat Narduzzi no. a couple weeks ago that's just digging his heels in. And that was like Pat. And that was even, I mean, that was a. Ten yeah. times worse situation. Oh, that one. There's no even times. like debate yeah. about what the yeah. the right call was. Yeah, when everyone in the stadium thinks one thing, and but the one head co- coach thinks another, it's like, all right, it's the one head coach, but you're a little bit outnumbered on this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I appreciate like Kirby is there, like saying, like maybe there's not necessarily a, a real definitive right and a wrong in this yeah. instance, but I am open to the the idea that yeah, I mean maybe trying to pick up one yard would have been the better option. I mean, it's, it's when if Notre Dame had scored there late in the game, I guarantee he'd have been – Yeah, there wouldn't have been anybody on that side of kicking that field goal then. And you know Notre Dame also felt like that was a little bit of a win for them when he um, kicked the field goal too. Yeah. But still, I, I see both sides and I get it. It was also weird too because they, they looked for – it looked like if you saw the replay on where the ball was – and then when they put the ball, they put like they moved the ball back like half a yard too. Did I, it maybe not on because I was watching kind of the replay and then watching it at the game at the same time. But it looked like it was a bad spot on that as well. Let's, I don't know if that uh, would have mattered. Why, why are why are we still using like men to figure out where the ball should <laughs> hey, be? I why do we? I know it's like how come they can't put something in the football? that you know exactly yeah. how far it got. Well, we know they can because other sports do yes. it. Like soccer has yeah. that now. Tennis has the Hawkeye. But we still use two men. 
uh, a chain carried, gang. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, chain and two sticks yeah. for a first down. Come on. And then, like, the official gets it, and he's kind of like, no, nah, maybe yeah. there, no, maybe back there a little uh, bit. It's terrible. Yeah, so. It's terrible. But, uh, you know, in the end, Georgia won the game, and uh, I, uh, you know, it wasn't pretty. I mean, Georgia's not a, a perfect, fine-tuned product right now, but it's still September. I don't think that they're, uh, they're supposed to be. But that defense, which outside of the defensive line, and then you've got Crowder and Rice there, in the middle at linebackers, a really young defense. Georgia mm-hmm. was ended up being down two starters in the secondary, and they had to defend 47 passes the other night, and Book averaged, what, less than six an attempt? Yeah, yeah. And he had the two picks? He was, yeah, 29 out of 47, a couple of picks. The The pick that Reed made was fantastic. That was a that was an All-American It came from play. the middle of the yeah, field. Yeah, and, yeah. unbelievable play that he made there. And uh, the other thing, too, I thought, Book didn't rush for much. And, and, you know, kept hearing about his wheels will get them some first downs when he scrambles on third down. And really, I thought his best scramble was the the play where the ball was snapped past him. He went back and picked it up and almost completed that fourth down pass. Yeah. I thought that might have been his best play right there. But he didn't really do a whole lot with Georgia on the ground. Obviously, the tight end was a big play for them, but... Georgia was giving them that in, to an extent to kind of take the the corners away because Georgia was playing, like you said, with their uh, you know, two cornerbacks out, top two cornerbacks out. So there was a little give and take with Komet getting his catches and yardage. Yeah, because I would think in the aftermath, Notre Dame fans probably wish they had thrown to Claypool more because yeah. he was, with his size, he was definitely a, a hard matchup for Georgia's defenders there in the secondary well, cager six five his man what five eleven that he beat for the touchdown yeah i keep saying someone needs to on the social medias because i'm not good at this basically hey you had the godwin catch in 17 and the cager catch in 19 and those turned out to be the big catches in these in these two games over the last three years put them side by side photos of them. yeah he had a he had like two catches and for 40-something yards against them when he was with Miami two years ago okay. and they smoked him down there. So That was 41-8. to eight. Yeah. Yes. So, he, I mean, he didn't catch a touchdown that night, but I mean, that, he had average. He had two catches for like 20 yards a pop. So. so that's why he, after the game, was like, I'm used to this beating Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. No, Brian I'm, Ke- I'm kidding. Brian I'm kidding. Kelly was like, <laughs> that like, guy can't again? get away from him. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just a great win, a great atmosphere. Georgia put on a show and – I, I mean, I like the fact that the game was close and interesting and entertaining. It was great. The stadium was packed from beginning to end. And, you know, it's it's good to have one of those test your resolve every now and then. Because let's, let's be the next three games that Georgia plays are going to be non – there are no contests. Well, Clemson last year had a two-point win over A&M, a four-point win over Syracuse. I know the Syracuse game had a lot of other things going on with the uh, Trevor Lawrence injury in-game. And they didn't have Kelly Bryant to go to. But it worked out for them. So even last year, at 15-0, they had a couple of scares. So it does happen. And like you're saying now, Georgia's gotten over this Notre Dame hump. And I, you're right. I mean, let's. I mean, Georgia's going to be a – I mean, they won't be a 30-point favorite next Saturday, will they? But they'll be mid to upper 20s. Yeah, I, I couldn't see them touching that on the road. I mean, I know, but Although that's just – we've already got, what, checker – kneeling in red and black or something (laughs) is some hashtag that's trending well i was thinking of this too it's like uh bama is a 37 and a half point favorite this week against Ole miss yeah and Ole miss beat arkansas by two touchdowns and arkansas comes to tuscaloosa in about a month 
does that mean Arkansas could be like a 43, 44-point dog? Yeah, yeah. They're just coming off a terrible loss to San Josie. Well, when I think about it, I think Bama last year in Fayetteville, they were favored by like 34, 35 points in, uh, in that game. So, I mean, maybe Georgia could touch. 35. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Georgia could it might approach it. I, I, don't, I doubt it would, but I could see it maybe getting to like four touchdowns. It's crazy, isn't it, to yeah. think that? Yeah, they it really just, is. They and just, then Kentucky and South Carolina here are both going to be at least 20-point dogs. Or, you know, yeah. Bit. Forget, like, saying double digits. Now you're like, is it going to be 20 or 25? No, they're not even games where you have to worry about a threat of an upset. Yeah. Now, I mean, the next game Georgia's got to pay attention to would be the Florida game in Jacksonville. But these next three weeks are just – what about when Stanford beats uh, beat USC a few years ago? They were like a forty-one point dog. So but how does that even happen? Well, here's a, one one of those teams had uh, had, had Jim Harbaugh as its head coach. Yep. The other has Jeremy Pruitt. So I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess yeah. Arkansas would have Chad Morris if they were a forty-something point dog. Yeah. To, but wasn't Pete Carroll the USC coach? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it was Jim Har there. Jim Harbaugh, who I know. I know right now Michigan fans are like that guy's terrible. Like he could, he did coach in a Super Bowl once. He did and came darn close to winning it. Yeah, and but he, hey, but Saturday was bad for them. It was awful. Yeah, that was bad for and them. It, and it, with that happening at noon, it just I think it just heightened the stakes of the game with Notre Dame because Notre Dame that looks like I know they play USC in a couple of weeks, but that game's in South Bend. That game at Michigan really looks like the only one left where they might even be an underdog, and I don't even know that they will be at this point. But I mean, Notre Dame, if they had beaten us here, they'd have been in line to have another perfect season. Oh, I know. And then you're looking at there's another playoff spot that's taken. Clemson ain't losing, so that's two that are taken. And then it just it uh, you know it it would have ramped up the stakes for Georgia for sure. What if Brian Kelly would have said about the injuries? What if he would have said, "Hey." It helped us. We almost won the game. If we could have won in Athens, we had a really good chance to go undefeated. Yeah. I mean, if we if he was honest about it, <laughs> yeah. went, hey, it worked. Yeah, we I slowed know, exactly. their offense down. Exactly. I know. But luckily, everything worked out. It was a terrific night. The atmosphere was fantastic. The fact that that stadium was so full before the game started and no one left during the game, there was no one. I mean, when that game ended is when the people started leaving. Yeah. There were a lot of folks that didn't want to leave. And uh, it just is another sign we want those games. College football fans yep. prove it over and over again, and we still don't get yep. enough of them. Because the next time Georgia hosts a Power 5 non-conference game other than Tech is UCLA in 2026. Dope. Or Maybe something five or be, six, whatever the year it is. I think it's 26. Okay. But I think, you know, 23's got an opening. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. No, I'm not either. But maybe something can get worked out. Because if you look at those in the same amount of time that we've added those those games against Florida State, Texas, Clemson, and Oklahoma, we've scheduled twice as many cupcake games. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not uh, I'm not congratulating anybody until the schedule gets better, like more consistently, and not a decade away. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, look at Saturday night. It's just that's what we want. And over and but more you know more often than not with you know, the the powers that be do not deliver. Well, this isn't a knock just on Georgia. I mean, this is college football. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not just the dogs. So hopefully teams are coming around to that. Yeah, I mean it's even when you realize that like Alabama and Ohio State have like never even scheduled a game against each other. 
It's and Georgia's played Ohio State once in a bowl game. Yeah, Kirk Herbstreit. Yep. Yep. Take that, Herbstreit. Eric Zire. You've been dogged. That's right. All right. Uh, we'll do a little pause here, and then we'll come back, and we'll uh, maybe do a Braves mention as they get set for the postseason. I don't know. We got some guys to worry about with uh, injuries. Acuna left the game uh, a couple nights ago uh, early with some hip issue. Freddie's got bone spurs. Uh, Julio Tehran, I think we've seen him pitch for the last time this year. I mm. hope, anyway, as uh, well. It's the Crossover Podcast. Day from the morning show, I'm Chris from the home team. We're presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points here on 960theref.com. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat. Eat at the now open, fully loaded pizza kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. Episode 104, the crossover podcast presented by fully loaded pizza kitchen. Chris Brame, David Johnston uh, with you here for another little brief segment as we'll talk about the Braves. As we record this, they're a little over a week away from starting the division series. Going to go ahead and assume it's going to be St. Louis, although the Brewers haven't been eliminated from division contention yet i think they're two and a half games back but still uh it's going to be st louis but how much are you uh maybe sort of nervous about about freeman because it's not so much that he's he's got bone spurs but the part where he didn't even travel to kansas city kind of like has me thinking maybe too much I mean, it's one thing like, all right, you're not going to be in the lineup and play, but just to stay behind completely is a different thing. Do you think it was thing. Snip not wanting to have that option to use him and Freddie talking him into playing? Yeah, well, I mean, I, then if he doesn't go, then that can't happen. Yeah, well, I don't know. That'd be good. Then other, you know, then aside from it, maybe being something bigger that might actually linger into the playoffs. And what hurts too is is that there's not really a a first baseman other than Freddie on the roster either. Yeah. I mean, Anybody can play first, but not everybody can play first in a very good way. That's it's one of those weird positions. I you know Riley would be the backup there. It looks like because yeah. he's been playing first, but it'll be interesting to see the choice the Braves make between him and Duvall because Riley just yeah. there's a lot of swings and misses with that kid now. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's a lot of swings and misses with Acuna also. Oh, yeah, but, but there's a lot of homes. He kind of makes up for it in, a, in, a, in other ways, for sure. Acuna does strike out a lot, but you know what? They all lead, do now. Doesn't Acuna lead? I think so, And I think yeah. Albies isn't far behind. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. But it, it's how baseball is now. It's so weird. Uh, but, yeah, for sure, that's definitely something to, to kind of think about. And the, uh, you know, the, the hip thing that Acuna had. Last night, he only played two innings, and they took him out. He better not be in the lineup tonight. I'll just say that, if that's, if that's something that they're having to deal with. Well, and he, can, and he better not be just hyper-focused then on even – I guess he's still a couple stolen bases shy of 40-40. He's but got it, 37. Yeah, well, at this point now, like you're not going to get it. You don't uh, need to be stealing or anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't even, don't even think about that. So I was looking to see if they had – put the lineup out there yet it doesn't look like they have but and I, anyway and i guess now we've pretty much confirmed soroka won't start game one because they've pushed his start right. back to the last day of the regular season sunday if he started game two that'd be his regular rest 
on Friday. And I mean, I'd like to think he'd start game two because if he starts game three, then he'd only be in line to pitch one game of yeah. the whole series. Well, that's what it sounds like. Like he said, so Tomlin's pitching tonight, and it's not like they backed Soroka up a day. I backed him all the way up to Sunday, which makes you think, all right, Keiko's going to go Thursday. Uh, Soroka will go Friday, and then Sunday would be Freed, I guess. Although Fulte's pitched pretty well. Freed's, Freed's got one of those – those. he's having one of those seasons where his numbers are a little um, – He's got a lot of run He's got a lot of run support. He's got 17 wins. So I don't know if, if Fulte or Freed is your game three pitcher, but I just don't see how, as you mentioned a moment ago before the break, that Tehran is in the conversation again. No, and I mean, last year they did put him on the roster. This year I wonder if they if there's even going to be a spot for him. Yeah, there may not be. I don't know unless you want to have him in the bullpen. Yeah, because I mean, most of his damage this done this year was done against the Marlins. Yeah, and they're not in the playoffs. It's the Cardinals. And what is I mean, Flaherty for them has Jack Flaherty's been really good. By the way, so the Cardinals lost a 19 inning game last night. And he was a starting pitcher. I think he went seventh scoreless. Uh, yeah, his his second half ERA is like point nine seven. Yeah. It's the lowest since Arietta in the year. I think it was the year the Cubs won the World Series. So they've got him. They've got a young guy who went to Mississippi State named Dakota Hudson. Yep, I remember. They've him. got Adam Wainwright, and I'm telling you, he's one of those guys that don't get. Now, when we talk about Tehran's numbers, Wainwright's the opposite. Don't get caught up in his numbers because he might have an ERA of four or four and a half. It's not this year, but he's still one of those guys that's going to pitch to the scoreboard. So he's a he's a tough postseason guy. And then you know they got this Mikolas and they got a guy named Michael Waka who pitched at Texas A and M. I don't think he's part of the the conversation, but they're kind of in that same boat the Braves are. Is like who were they going to go with after Flaherty and Hudson? I would guess Wainwright. But Wainwright might even pitch. In one of the first two games. Well, I mean, that's a big difference, though, in a guy that's like a, I mean, a real established yeah. veteran. Now he's not in his prime anymore, but right. you're choosing between him. Whereas the Braves are like, you know, do we start Fulton Evich? They demoted to AAA exactly. for like a good chunk of the summer. Yeah. So. yeah. But again, he's been better since he's come back. Yeah. But, you know, is that is that your number three guy? That's where the Braves are definitely hurting right now. But the bullpen that was remade in the middle of the year and when those guys got to Atlanta they they struggled uh, briefly but they've been pretty good no yeah there's no doubt Martin yeah. Green and then Melanson yeah are the three guys you're going to turn to in yep. the seven eighth and ninth innings yeah now the other the the other bit of a worry for Atlanta too is Swanson because since he's yeah. come back off the DL his batting average is like 134 he doesn't have a home run I mean, he's really by 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 almost any measure, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball since he's uh, since he's returned. He's really good with the glove. So, I mean, Atlanta's going to have to figure out: you know, do we value the the defense from Swanson, or do we want to at least have some sort of a threat in the lineup and and maybe play Echeverria instead? Isn't it great to be talking about this instead of the Braves sitting on sixty seven wins and yeah. looking ahead to next year, or the Falcons, or the Fal the Falcons. <laughs> Oh, my god! Yeah, the Falcons are just uh. – All right, here's – does Dan Quinn make it through the season, yes or no? I think he'll make it through the season, but I think it's the beginning of the end. It, it feels like it. Yeah. It just is like the – when you come out and you're down 28 nothing and 20-3 to at the half to – it just it, – that's just like a lack of what are you doing? Are you preparing? Are you practicing? Because aren't the beginnings of games like the ones that are supposedly like scripted and everything and yeah. you've really like playing for? And then once the game gets going – 
you see how it's playing, and then maybe you, you, you get some adjustments in there. I heard you yesterday or the day before mentioning you were comparing uh, Quinn to what he didn't do with the uh, the, the Neil thing about throwing his helmet to what Snitker did when um, with Culberson, Culberson yeah. got his you know face blown up on that pitch. And I thought that was kind of interesting, too. And it got me to thinking about, I think it was Mike Smith's last year with the Falcons, and there was a play where Matt Ryan got obliterated on a scramble. I think it was the first game of the season, and none of his linemen came over. There was, you know, there should have been guys wanting to fight with whoever. Was it the Eagles or somebody? Yeah, I kind of remember what you're talking about. about. Yeah, because I remember that being a a topic of conversation. Yeah, it's like, where's the fight? You know, where's the spark? It's not there, and it. And, and it almost feels like the same kind of situation. Maybe Quinn's so bogged down in the fact that he's the defensive coordinator now. He's he's worried about calling defenses as opposed to being the head coach. Maybe that takes something of it away. But I thought that it kind of reminded me of that play with Ryan and and where this like where's the fire in all of this? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, maybe it's like by the letter of the law, you're not, you can't take off your helmet in the field of play and yeah. slam it down. So. Yeah. Maybe they're like, well, that was a penalty. But I mean, technically, yes. Yeah, but like when but the But it guy- didn't it, it it what he did violated like the it violated the rule, but in the spirit of the rule, that's not what that no. rule is about. It's insane that yeah. he was penalized for it. And then the fact that he's actually on a cart being driven off the field and the official is yeah. unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct number twenty two. Yeah. And then but, yeah, I mean, Quinn is just standing there, and I was. I was like, man, because Snicker, he got tossed out of the game. Exactly. And it was just, you're going to have to throw me out because the guy yeah. just took a – if you get hit in the face with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, I don't care if you're squaring to bunt. Like, you should be, you should get a base for that. <laughs> That's just brutal. Yeah. It is. Well, hey, also thanks to uh, uh, our running man over in Cartersville that did confirm that he is the guy that used to come over and say hello to us at the Georgia baseball games and we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us every week while you're out getting that run in we do appreciate that and you can as always subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, we'll we'll just show up to you whenever we uh, post a new episode or you can listen on demand anytime at 960theref.com next week it'll be Tennessee week the big question will be the percentage of that stadium that will be Georgia fans will it be over (laughs) half Will it be less than half? Will it be, you know, what will it be? Because I think Georgia fans are already starting a, uh, a movement to try and scoop up as many tickets as they can. Tennessee wins the first half as far as fans. Georgia wins the second half as far as fans. Well, that's, that's my that's, guess. Yeah, that's a lock. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. All right, that's been episode 104 of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points for Dave. I am Chris. Thanks for uh, checking us out again this week, and we'll be back again next week. The Crossover Podcast on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.